Hey, hey, episode 10 of Law School in Brief. Double digits, huh? I know. Also, Lydia, did we? Oh, great. This is Lydia. (laughs) No, that's Lydia. And this is Megan. (laughs) I was going to say, did we cross a big threshold this week in, in listener numbers? Oh, yeah. We, well, we did. I don't know how many people are listening because people could download it multiple times, I guess. But mm-hmm. I looked on our stats and we have over 500 downloads of our episodes. Hello. Thank you, everyone. I know. How exciting. Thank Including you, Mom. For... <laughs> yeah. Thanks for downloading it 50 times. <laughs> okay. Um, Wait, who are we going to say? Including a listener, dot, dot, dot. Oh, including a listener who submitted homework this week. I'm just very proud of of Celia. Yes. And I'm going to give extra credit to my friend Greg, who um when I when we when we posed the um homework cited a case that he thought was analogous. And he hasn't even been to law school. And the case was really relevant. It was the first case I thought of. So, whoa, shout out to Greg and Celia. Yeah, y'all rule. Yeah, if this were a curve, you would be setting the curve. Let me know. Um, abolish all right. the curve. <laughs> yeah. At hashtag abolish the curve. Law school and grief. Um, so I was thinking we could just like it's it seems like every day there could be a really a really high high and a really low low. So why not actually do like a, a proper highs and lows for the week? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, Y'all, Megan and I met on this bike trip where we checked in by doing highs and lows. So I'm getting a little nostalgic. Oh. Uh, I know. But yeah, let's do that. It's a good structure for checking in. And then we can get straight to the homework. Yeah, because we're all business here at Law School in Brief. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Lydia. Yeah. I think you know what I'm going to (laughs) ask. Should I start with lows or highs? I'll do lows. I... I I cried doing the doing the ICW assignment. I was trying for the section on citing state statutes. Um, I was like crushing it like the first half. A lot of them were really easy. And then I got I missed like I missed eight out of fifteen questions, which oh. I is is uh more than half. Yeah. <laughs> um because I just, I was like looking everywhere in the blue book for how to cite certain things, like uh, of the questions, and uh, I couldn't find it. And so then I would be trying to learn from the answers that I had gotten wrong. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes chapter was uh, ch dot, and sometimes it was written out <laughs> all the way. And so even though I was like referring, I was trying to learn from my own mistakes and trying to learn from the book. I couldn't get it. And in the real world, I would have then just like consulted another source, but I felt like it would probably be against the honor code to like look on the internet for how to cite. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exercise. I don't know. It, it took me like two hours to do these 15 problems where I was getting more than half of them wrong. So anyways, I just cried. And then I had to leave, like physically leave my apartment because it was like the place that I had done the assignment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to leave the scene of the crime. It it was just like I, I was like, uh-uh. And 
I hung out with some friends and then we went to Trader Joe's after we studied and I got a lot of treats. <gasps> and what'd you get? Yeah. What'd you get? Um, right now on the on the desk where my laptop is is the Trader Joe's fruit jellies. I love have those. Have you had those? Yes. They're, They're so sweet. And they don't have gelatin in them. Oh. They have like pectin, corn syrup. Mm-hmm. So they're great. And, you know, I, I guess that's a high. I do have a separate high. But do you want to start with your low first and then we can both do highs? Or should we like, should I like finish mine off? No, let's, let's, let's just front load this with lows. And that okay. way we can end on a really high high, a double high. Okay. Um, Up with you. So <laughs> I actually have, I cheated a little bit. And I, as you were talking, I thought of two lows. Okay. Um, yeah. So one of them was also the ICWs. And for those of you who are listening who are not familiar, ICW stands for Interactive Citation Workbook. And it is the ninth circle of hell. <laughs> it is basically, it's an online tool that is aimed at helping law students learn how to properly legally cite things like books, reports, cases, et cetera, et cetera. And there's this thing called the blue book and it's the rules for how to do these certain things. And as Lydia pointed out a couple episodes ago, the blue book is like a choose your own adventure, except you have no choice and it's a crappy adventure. <laughs> there's no adventure. Um, so this weekend, I actually spent Friday uh, early evening working on two of the chapters in the ICW. So that was 20 questions back to back. And by like question 15, I was, I mean, when I tell you I had a physical reaction to how angry I was getting, I am not being facetious. My shoulders were tensing up. Like I felt everything in my body just felt angry. And I got to this point, and when you're doing these work, these problems, you have three attempts. And on your third attempt, if you get it wrong, it's like a three strikes are out, then the problem, you like you get no credit for that problem. And so I had I But they do show you the answer. So you can see They do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I I I was I'd used up my first two attempts. This was my last attempt. I had no idea. And like one of the things it was telling me was I wasn't supposed to put a period after ink, which is not true because that's an abbreviation for incorporated. And it says in the book that you need to put a period. Anyway, I got so frustrated that I physically, I like picked the book up and I held it over my head with the intention of throwing it against the wall like a child. And instead I crumpled the pages and I feel like maybe we should even post the photo of it to the blog because it is so ridiculous. I crumpled the pages, cried, <laughs> and then had to straighten the pages back out again so that I could read. Oh, oh. so you didn't rip them out and crumple them. No, 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 no. I paid good money for this book. No, they're still, <laughs> they're in, they're bound in the book, but they are crumpled. <laughs> they are. Oh. I just imagine you trying to sew it which sections yeah. were you doing that were giving you so much trouble three and four um i uh, one of, what, it was like one of the questions i think the one that really pushed me over the edge was uh 
one about slip opinions or something like that. Oh, and I was yeah. just like, yeah, like great. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, regarding your ink thing, I mean, it, it is, it does get it wrong sometimes. My very first assignment, I noticed that it had something wrong and I reported it to my professor who was like, oh yeah, you're right. So it's worth like emailing your professor if you really yeah. are sure. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, luckily I, I got, I ended up getting enough right that I get full credit for the assignment, but it was by the skin of my teeth and it took me three hours. Um, yeah, but that was, so that was the low as of this morning. But then today, this evening, I got back a paper that I had worked so hard on. I mean, I went- Like a I memo? Yeah, a memo. It okay. was literally a draft of a memo. Um, and not even oh, it was a just full a draft. memo. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it was just a draft, but it was graded out of 10 points. And our professor told us ahead of time, nobody's going to get a 10. Probably no one is going to get over a 7. So oh. if you get like a 6 or a 7, you're fine. Um, if you get like a 4 or 5, you should probably come see me. Anything lower than that, like you're in trouble. Right? So I'm thinking, all right, I'm probably going to do decently well. This was... You know, I mean, that, like, that's kind of frustrating that they're asking you to turn something in with such low expectations. Why not take an extra class and explain what they want from you and what, what their expectations are? I think his reasoning was he wanted to create room, since this was just a draft, it wasn't the final product. Oh, he okay. wanted to like create room for us to end up getting like an eight or a nine or like a 10 if you're crazy smart. I don't know. Anyway, I before turning this in, I took this so seriously. I was in the library probably like two hours a day working exclusively on this. I went and consulted our TA, not once, but twice. Nice. I went to the professor one-on-one -on -one, and I made an, an appointment with our legal writing like specialist and, had her, and sat down with her one-on-one -on -one to go over this. And I felt so confident turning it in and I got it back today and I got a five on it. And it was marked up and like it was all why good. did none of these other people point out any of the things right that's what i thought so i'm reading it and i'm like okay and i'm feeling my i'm getting that physical reaction again where i'm getting like so frustrated i'm getting like angry and feeling so defeated and and it just like manifest, you know, I just, it had to come out some way. And so I just, you know, openly wept at the kitchen table for like two minutes. Oh. And then, <laughs> but then I was like, okay, that was stupid. Like I, this is so like low stakes. It's fine. But I'm just, I'm saying this so candidly because I feel like it's important for law students to know like this happens like behind <laughs> closed doors. Like we're all out here trying to project this image of having it all together or like, Kind of maybe not having it together, but it's still cute. It's like, no, sometimes it's not cute. Sometimes it's not cute. And like, you're really, really, really feeling shitty because you worked super hard on something and then you get it back and it's wrong. And the joke of it all is, is like, essentially what went wrong with my paper was my rule, the rule that I wrote. Uh. And like, but, I, but like my professor had seen this rule at least twice because we turned in different drafts and this TA had seen this rule at least twice. And I'm like, dang, I really wish someone had pointed out that this wasn't going to render the result that really they're yeah. looking for. But I learned. 
and we're all good. But I did break my no drinking wine during the week rule. And I drank wine because good God, I'm but a human woman <laughs> trying to make it through. What uh, was the topic of the memo or like what area of law? Um, so it's basically the, the whole thing is we're trying to determine whether or not this guy, Laszlo Waters, totally a made up person, not a real case. Great name. Um, yeah. Laszlo, L-A-S-Z-L-O. Um, whether Sweet. or not he can be convicted of impaired driving under a statute that designates certain pieces of land as public vehicular areas. His whole argument presumably is going to be that he was not driving on a quote unquote public vehicular area when he got into this accident. Um, and yeah, so, so we had the statute and we're trying to say whether or not we think this was a public vehicular area um, based on the statute in a couple different cases. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's some okay. there's some interesting Burning Man twist to this. He was like at a Burning Man party where people were doing mushrooms and you know, did he do mushrooms? We don't know. Did he crash his car? Absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ours is about well, I have mine is due this weekend, so I can commiserate with you soon. But ours is about um whether or not a baseball stadium owes a duty of care to a child who was hit by a baseball during like uh, a comedy like entertainment portion of the game a lot, a lot of baseball, baseball cases a lot of baseball, lot of baseball. I'll, take <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll take it i'll take it does st louis have like a particularly good baseball team no comment oh okay <laughs> It sounds so loaded, but really, I just have no idea. <laughs> Maybe one of our listeners can educate us. Someone right now is going, what? 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 Of course. <laughs> Who are these women? <laughs> oh, I have another low, too, which uh -huh. is it's 91 degrees. Like, I'm, re uh, I'm just ready for fall. Yeah, coming from Boston, I'm sure that's not great. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's my high. Okay. It starts with kind of a low. Um, which was that I was totally swindled by it. Well, not swindled. I was, I have not received a product for which I paid on Kickstarter three years ago. And I shoot them an email like every two months or so to be like, give me my reward. Yeah. <laughs> which is not effective. Basically the, what happened was the campaign was funded like 5,000% or something. Like they couldn't scale up fast enough. But it's been three years and it's on the market like in other places. Like they're clearly able to manufacture it to sell it. But maybe they've just used up all of our money already. I don't know. Um, so I get and the thing is, too, I get an update from them every week. I don't open it. Obviously, I filter it straight to a folder. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, y'all send me <laughs> an email every week. Anyways. I usually forget that this $200 is gone from my life forever. And then sometimes when I remember, I just get really angry. And this week I was like, why can't I get my money back? And there's all these reasons I can't get my money back. Like they've already spent it. And like on Kickstarter, you know, maybe it's the case that you're just um, supporting a potential invention, not actually buying a product. Mm -hmm. um, 
and just all this stuff. I don't know. I just, I was trying to draft them an email to be like, give me my money. You like breached our contract. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't understand enough about contract to say that. And so I just Googled like, why can't I get my money back from a Kickstarter thing? And this law review article came up. And so I clicked on it and I've before law school, like tried reading a lot of different law review articles just because I was like, well, if I'm going to go to law school, I should read some, should read up on what people are saying. And I really didn't understand them. Um, And I just, I read this and I just understood it. Maybe it was because it's like what we've covered in contracts up to this point and because it directly speaks to my exact situation. Yeah. Or maybe because it's like, actually well written um but i'll put it on the on our blog it's called kickstart my lawsuit fraud and justice and rewards based <laughs> crowdfunding in the uc davis law review um oh. written by a, a former student there christopher moores anyways i was like if if you're listening to this and you've been <laughs> swindled by a kickstarter campaign and you at least have enough interest in law to be listening to this podcast you should totally read this i don't know it was just exciting to read it and understand I am so, would you be willing to share what this Kickstarter was or no? All right. It's very embarrassing, Um, but it is entertaining. I can share the video (laughs) because if you see it and you think, wow, Lydia saw this and bought it. um, (laughs) For $200. (laughs) (laughs) It's this, I have pretty bad posture and it's this, um, like you, it, you can like take it apart and put it together pretty easily. But for storage in your house, it's like not a, a cumbersome exercise equipment, but it's this assemblable um, thing that you do like really kind of like minute um, back workouts with. Oh, this is so not where I thought this was going. I was going <laughs> if you had said guess, I would have said some sort of like cat art supply <laughs> that acts as like a holistic healing agent it had to be like some sort of three-in-one combo but i had <laughs> okay for the record i would never <laughs> drop 200 dollars on anything that marketed itself as a holistic healing agent i just want to put that out there <laughs> um, but uh the video is really funny and it was like developed in finland and they had all these like finnish athletes doing these like really like minute it kind of looks like you're like kind of like thrusting, but you're like alone in your apartment like, holding on to this device. Oh, <laughs> but no. it, it promises that like in this like if you just do like four minutes every day, you know, it strengthens the right muscles that you need with, for posture without putting you through this entire workout where you're like sweating by the end of it. So mm. I was like sold. And then now I'm just a sucker. Oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I've Forget them. Now that I've read this law review article. Guess who you're coming for first when you're <laughs> a big, powerful lawyer? Those Finnish nope. back artists, whoever they are. Okay, uh, what's your high? I hope my, it's exciting than reading a law review article. My high is a little bit more exciting. Um, and I don't want, in the event that my torts professor is listening to this, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But... Twice in a row this week, my torts class was canceled and it is my favorite class and I was sad to not be in it. However, having three cumulative unaccounted for hours felt like getting a dozen back massages in a row, Mm -hmm. 
It felt like drinking a bottle of champagne on a boat. It felt like I had, I felt so good. I mean, I, I went home. I went home and I did work from home. And Wait, even, with your three free hours you did work? Yeah, but it was like, oh, Lydia was so good. Like I caught up on things. I, I didn't just read. You're part because, of the cult, Megan. No, 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 no. It's different. It's different. Okay. Because I was at home living my best life and making my outline pretty nice. <laughs> and doing citations. And while that kind of sucked, like that's not fun, it freed up all this time that I, on Saturday. And so on Saturday, I actually got to go explore North Carolina a little bit. I went to this state park with Adam and our dog Leon. And we did this like really, really strenuous hike uh, that led to a beautiful overlook and the leaves were just starting to change. And it was oh like 15 God. degrees cooler there than it is in this hell hole that they call Greensboro. <laughs> so, <Whoa. laughs> yeah, no, it's, Greensboro is lovely, but oh my God, it has been so hot here, relentlessly hot. And I'm from the desert, so <laughs> I know what heat is but I had no idea what humidity was and I'm really sick of my clothes sticking to me I'll say yeah. that um, anyway I changed I, in North Carolina yeah you know? yeah whoa whoa game changer nice. but I got to like have an entire Saturday where I did not think about or do anything law school related which was great that is great that's a really good high yeah but now that we've covered our highs and lows, I think I think our listeners probably want to know what's going on with with Farmer Philburn. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay, yes. so if you haven't heard the hypo, um, just go to fifty. Uh, sorry, thirty five thirty of last week's episode. But Megan, why don't you do a little brief recap? Yes, good idea. Okay, so um, in our torts class, we were given this hypothetical scenario uh, to think about when we wanted to, we were, were supposed to think about this hypothetical scenario and figure out what claims people can make. So basically, you have four people. You have Farmer Philburn, uh, who it gets threatened by this dude named David. Uh, David's pissed off because Father Philborn, Philburn is wearing a patch that he doesn't like. So David, uh, fuming with anger, they say, uh, sees Farmer Philburn and then lunges at him. And in response, uh, Farmer Philburn reaches into the back of his truck, grabs a pitchfork and stabs David through the chest. You know, because that's like a completely reasonable response. Um, Father Philburn then like flees the scene and uh, David miraculously survives this attack. Jokes on Father Filburn though, or fa Farmer Filburn, because, <laughs> gosh, father, farmer, brother, sister. Okay, so David has a brother named Goliath, because, duh. Um, and Goliath is like, whoa, I'm going to avenge my brother David. Um, it's also worth noting that Goliath is much larger than David. So Goliath, uh, goes to the Filburn farm um, with the intention of exacting revenge. But Mother Filburn, who is Farmer Filburn's wife, 
uh, is concerned with the safety of the farm. There had been like a bunch of break-ins and trespasses. So she did what any reasonable person would do and installed a spring gun trap on their home's master bedroom door. Uh, the spring gun is basically a 20 gauge shotgun tied to an iron bed frame. And the shotgun is pointed at the bedroom door. Um, but don't worry, she's not an animal. She's not pointing it at their chest. She's pointing at knee level. So when the door opens, the person isn't going to be shot and killed. No, no, the person is going to be shot and completely like incapacitated. Like they're not going to be able to go anywhere. Um, but because for, or I should say as an added level of security, father and father, farmer and mother Filburn sleep in a barn adjacent to the house. So this kind of sounds like a bit of a booby trap, right? Anyway, unbeknownst to the Filburns, Goliath trespasses onto their farm. I might be actually giving this away a little bit. Goliath comes to the farm with a crowbar, uh, enters the master, well, enters their home, enters the master bedroom. You can see where this is going, opens the door and triggers a spring gun, which blows off most of his right leg. So, so that's our hypothetical scenario. <laughs> And I think everybody probably needs to take a long hot bath and <laughs> think about maybe just calm down a little bit, but that's just me. Um, anyway, we had a submission from a listener who actually did the homework. Oh, and, wait, uh, and we should also say that the assignment is mm. discuss any intentional tort claims David and Goliath can bring against Farmer and Mother Filburn. I just yes. called them Filburn and... Marta. She has a name, okay? Like, and so does he. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Uh, anyways, as well as uh, Filburn and Marta's potential defenses against those claims. And, okay, so that's the, that's the assignment. And, mm. yeah, why don't I... So I wrote my uh, guess as to the answer to that, and it's really long. It's like 1,700 words, so I don't think it's going to be interesting to read it all but uh, I can put it on the blog as as baby's first typo and we can read Celia's response and maybe talk about it because um, you have the like model answer to this I sure do okay sweet <clears throat> so I will read on behalf of Seal who has not been to law school this is just like mm, this is so cool that a listener it's like here's what I think okay here goes well, first, I think Mr. Filburn is protected by freedom of speech for his patch and self-defense in the attack. However, if David is confirmed by a psychiatrist to have a mental health condition that caused him to go into a psychotic rage, then we have to consider that David in any other state would not attack someone, which mm. blurs the lines of who or what is at fault. Mm. Was it reasonable for Mr. Filburn to stab David? Although Filburn is protected from criminal charges in self-defense, it could be argued that there was a better way to fight off his attacker that could have caused less harm, like hitting him with a handle or punching him or running away. In my mind, this case breaks 30 Filburn, 70 David. I like that she gives the breakdown, <laughs> largely due to the mental health condition. Which is something I hadn't even considered. Mental health. I, Hello. Yeah. I hadn't considered breaking it down 3070, but I like that. <laughs> As for the spring gun, it's definitely a whole other case. Criminally, the Filburns have done no wrong. 
Goliath has trespassed and has a premeditated revenge in mind. In some states, it is legal to shoot someone who has entered your property. Stand your but ground, fair- baby. Oh, my God. That's, hey, that's not an endorsement. It's just a statement. Okay. <laughs> but in terms of the liability of the shooting, I think you have to look a couple of places. One, when Goliath entered the property, were there signs indicating that he had indeed crossed a line? No trespassing and such? Were they clearly visible and the property marked? Two, when Goliath arrived at the house, was there any indication or signs of the house being armed? A sign that says, beware, house is guarded, or if you enter, we will shoot you. Although the signs seem a bit excessive, and they're not sold as cute art at Marshall's, (laughs) so true, (laughs) it would have greatly defended the Filburns would have identified where the person was, what not to do, and the consequences if they choose to proceed. In that case, if Goliath enters, he has been given all the facts and chose to proceed anyways. However, if Goliath was illiterate, the case would become way more complicated. I keep coming back to if someone jumps over your fence and your dog attacks them. Criminally, you've done no wrong, and that person could be charged for trespassing. But from the perspective of the person, you are partially liable for damages and your dog may do may do as your property. May Is it like your dog is an extension of your property? Oh yeah. Because, and and therefore you're partially liable for damages? That's probably what you Oh, mean. sorry. For damages your dog may do as your property. As your property, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's why signs are important to help show good intention, like warning or guard dog, and that a person made a conscious choice knowing all the possible repercussions. Thank you, Seal. Thank you, Seal. And also I, uh, with all my spare time, I'm going to start creating cute Marshall's art that says, if you enter, we will shoot you. <laughs> Do you think there's a market for that here in North Carolina? I don't, um, I don't think it is moral to capitalize on it, but yes. I Okay. <laughs> I want to just read the first little, um, the first impressions I had when I read through the hypo and read the instructions. Um, But I won't read my full thing. But so when I read the whole thing, a lot of stuff came to mind that also came to Seal's mind, like um, criminal law. And she mentioned like constitutional protection for wearing a patch. Mm. Um, And there could also be like some negligence on the part of one of the other parties. But the scope of the question is just asking about intentional torts. So uh, that was the first thing that I noticed because it kind of like knocked out all these other things that I would have wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. And also it was just about claims that that David and Goliath were making and then like the Filbers' responses to those. And I was like, um, David started it. You know, there are some claims that I would expect that the Filburns would start that aren't just in, in reaction to David and Goliath's claims, but okay. So we're ignoring those. And it's also the, the prompt is just asking us for claims. So um, I guess we don't have to talk about like damages. So anyways, that was, those were my first impressions. And I also kind of like made a list of all the intentional torts that there are like personal injury torts and like property torts. And then the, type of torts that don't really seem to be an issue at all, like slander and and defamation and that kind of thing. 
I, I had a really similar approach when I was reading this hypo the first time. Um, I made, I wrote each person's name down and then I wrote all the different intentional tort claims they could bring. Um, I didn't go into anything like criminal or anything like that, but um, this was super heavy on like battery and assault and false imprisonment. And um, I actually have our model answer up uh, on my screen. And so this does not, this is not an, um, what am I trying to say? This is not like a complete list of, of claims that can be brought, but it's the ones in the model answer that I think our professor thought were worth their weight and salt. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> so. I'm so excited because I listed six and then like a couple of them that have counterpoints. So I can't wait to see like what I got. Okay. Right. Wrong. Okay, well, I don't think it's like that. No, I'm sure that the thing is, I'm a mad, I'm trying to like channel my professor and think what he would say. And he he probably wouldn't say that you were wrong if you don't write ex exactly what he has here. I think what I'm about to read is is a, a sample answer. So it's not going to, it's not all encompassing. It's just honing in on certain claims and okay. then like flushing out the reasoning for each. Okay, cool. So I'm going to listen and also be looking at Seal's response too to see okay. which ones she got. Okay, cool. So um, the first one we have is David V. Farmer Filburn. And the, uh, the claim here is battery. So Farmer Filburn has committed a battery against David. Oh, I also really quickly want to say, um, for those of you who are listening who are not in law school, uh, the answers to these questions will end up sometimes sounding redundant or just ridiculously straightforward. And that's on purpose. So yeah. That is, that is on purpose. This is, this, it sounds like elementary writing, but it is so much harder than you think to make this as clear and succinct as it's going to sound. So here we go. Okay. Battery. Farmer Filburn has committed a battery against David. A battery is an act with intent to cause a contact that is harmful or offensive. Thus, the elements of a battery include one, an act, two, intent, three, contact, four, harmful and offensive. All of the elements are met here. The act was stabbing David with the, David with the pitchfork. The intent is to cause the contact. Intent can be met either through desire to cause the contact or through substantial certainty that the contact would occur. This is direct intent because Farmer Filburn knew that stabbing someone with a pitchfork would cause harmful or offensive contact. The contact actually occurred when he, I think there's a missing one, when he stabbed David in the chest and the stabbing demonstrates that the contact was harmful. Um, the next piece is B, assault. David also has an assault claim against Father Filburn. An assault is an act with intent to place the plaintiff in apprehension of imminent, harmful, or offensive contact. The elements of assault include, one, an act, two, intent, three, apprehension of, four, harmful or offensive contact. Similar to a battery claim, the act the intent and the contact are the same. The only real difference in the final element, which is the imminent apprehension of harmful or offensive contact. 
Imminent means to occur at once without delay. In the second before the pitchfork made contact with David's chest, when he saw the blow coming, he was put in imminent apprehension of fear of harmful or offensive contact. The reasonable person would find this contact harmful or offensive. Thus, the elements of an assault claim have been established. And then finally, C, Father Philburn can claim self-defense. So Father Philburn has self-defense claim against David. In defending oneself, an actor may use force that is proportionate to one, the interest the actor is protecting, and two, to degree or injury or harm threatened by the other as reasonably perceived by the defendant. Here, the stab by stabbing David with a pitchfork, Farmer Filburn has used deadly force in self-defense. However, David was unarmed at the time he lunged for Farmer Filburn. David will thus argue that deadly force is not proportional against the threat of an unarmed attacker, and Father Filburn cannot use the self-defense or the cannot use the defense of self-defense. Ta-da! A really very straightforward law school answer <laughs> to a hypo. Oh, wait. <clears throat> what about all of Goliath's claims? This was, like I said before, I think this he was just giving us the example of, like, an answer. So if you got this, if you got this hypo on an exam, I don't think you'd have to break out the element of every single claim that can be made. He just picked some of them. And then was like, okay, here we go. This is how we're going to argue this. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Ugh, now I see if I got that model response, then I would have to go to his office hours and be like, um, did I do all this other stuff right? <laughs> Ugh, I have so much other stuff in here. Well, oh, I'm going to just, I'll just have to fly down to North Carolina. <laughs> walk in. <laughs> Hello? You don't know me? <laughs> But I know your work. Uh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Well, well, that's okay because I'll just put my answer on the blog and then people can rip it apart. But I did get those three things. The battery, assault, and self-defense. Yeah. 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 I, like, I mean, if so if this were me, I feel like the juicier parts of this, like when I was reading the hypo, I was like, oh, I'm going to go in on Mother Philburn. <laughs> she... I was so prepared to to write about claims of false imprisonment, like and how the um, the force that she used was not proportional to the threat, especially because she sleeping in the barn could never claim that she was in imminent fear or apprehension of danger. Um, fear is not one of the elements. Imminent apprehension of danger because she didn't see it coming. So she could not possibly say, oh, yeah, 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 like, I, I had this shotgun shoot him because I was, I was, you know, put in imminent, imminent apprehension of fear of harmful contact. Like, she didn't see it. So she shoots his leg off, and now he's falsely imprisoned in their home without a reasonable means of escape. <laughs> yeah. I would want to give extra credit to Greg because he cited Catco v. Briny, which in which a spring gun um, shoots someone's leg and they found that it was disproportional, uh, that it was excessive. And so it's like very, that part's very similar. 
I feel like we don't actually have enough facts to say that it's um, false imprisonment. Like, we don't know if um, he was able to call an ambulance from his cell phone or, like, crawl out of the house. Like, he might have thought that he was just sitting there um, because of the injury to his leg, not because Mm. the, like, door was closed, you know? Well, okay, so the elements, though, of false imprisonment are an act with intention to confine somebody within fixed boundaries, and that action is resulting in such a confinement of which the plaintiff is either aware of or harmed by. Um, And you need to satisfy all of those elements to, like, successfully claim this. The act would be the shooting. The intention would be to harm this person. Um, I suppose you could not, it would be hard to, it would be trickier, I should say, to argue that Mother Filburn had the intention of confining Goliath or a trespasser in a fixed boundary. Um, Yeah, I think the intention to confine was there, but I'm just iffy on the fixed boundaries because it seems like the person is limited by their physical ability to withstand pain, not, like, it's not like this, this, trap door closed and then locked him into the bedroom Nah, you're right you're right i just feel like it'd be hard to leave without a leg i don't know but yeah (laughs) yeah. you're right (laughs) and then there's a lot of intentional torts that don't come up and then there were i think there were times when david or goliath would have would have wanted to make an intentional infliction of emotional distress claim but that just wouldn't fly like the patch clearly causes him emotional distress when he sees it on Filburn, but mm-hmm. it's not reasonable. No, not and, at all. And, and I he think didn't it, intend it to be offensive. Yeah, and one of the one I forget if this is like a hard element or a sub element of intentional infliction of emo- emotional distress is if the actor knows that that person is particularly susceptible to that kind of trigger. So like in this case, if if Farmer Filburn somehow knew David and knew that he was going to be offended by this patch, then you could say that wearing it is intentional or intentionally causing emotional distress. But yeah, it seems like they had never even met before. No, like it was just random dudes on the street. Who could, who could know that someone would conflate grain alcohol with ethanol? It's not, it's just like, Yes, that person's very hypersensitive who conflates those two things. Yeah. Um, cool. I kind of, I, this has really inspired me to do more hypos because when I had to like pick through it, mm-hmm. it was, it felt very different from just reviewing my notes, like having to apply it. I guess that's obvious, but just because I haven't been assigned one before, mm-hmm. I kind of took it for granted that like, oh, I'm learning this stuff and it'll be easy to apply it later. But like it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't hard. It just took a lot of time. And the parts where I was organized was much easier. And I was like, oh, I really do need to be really organized with the black letter law and such. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I was reviewing torts with a couple of my classmates on Sunday. And we went all the way back to the beginning. And I thought, whoa. Some of this I learned a month ago, and I need to figure out a way to hang on to this because <laughs> it's coming right around. I also went to a little study session. I went was it fun? Friday. It, well, I was very distracting to my peers. Um, 
I think because <laughs> that's how I was coping. But I think that it confused me more than it, it helped me. Um, really? Because, well, it, we were just going through the course chronologically. We were going through contracts chronologically. But the way I had structured my outline was more, was just different than the way we've gone through class. Mm-hmm. I, like rearranged things thematically in a way that made sense to me. So mm. I kept, I felt like I kept jumping around. It had nothing to do with my classmates. It was just me being like, if I had spent these two hours like drilling alone, I probably could have. I don't know. I think later on I'll want to meet with them, um, meet with classmates and like go over hypos and stuff. But for just review, just like for like straight review stuff, I think mm-hmm. I have to do it on my own. Yeah. I mean, I actually was thinking today, and maybe this should be a final point for me this evening because I do have reading to do. Yes, but I was wondering to myself, oh, you do? I want to hear about that. But like what makes a successful student? And I think this is, we, we were kind of chatting offline about this and we'll talk about it next week, but like what do successful students have in common? And like, how do I drink that tea? Like, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm still struggling to figure it out. And I'm thinking like, good God. I I want this just as much as I think a good student. And I feel like I put in as much work as a good student. Why do I feel like I'm not a good student? And how do I how do I become one? You know? Nice. And, no, oh, okay. Yeah. I what's bugging me is like how am I gonna know when I'm succeeding? Mm, yeah. Against my own expectations of myself. But I like your way of approaching success as well we can both talk we can talk about each of our own like for me I don't know if being a successful student like in terms of getting good grades is like enough for me like I'm willing to sacrifice that to feel successful in other ways maybe anyways TBD yeah but uh yeah I'm on panel tomorrow for property so I will be peak well good luck thanks all right Back to the books, I suppose. <laughs> Thank you for assigning me this home this homework. <laughs> Thank Keep you for hearing. doing it. <laughs> and thanks to Seal and thanks to everybody who gave it a, gave it their best effort. Yeah. Thanks to all and to all a good night. <laughs> Bye. Bye.